G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. It was really unusual for a year to go by and have written two songs because I'd been writing a lot before then and that was a real indicator that this was not a good season and it was just really tough. But they ended up being recorded by Planet Shakers and sung at church. The Story. story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. That's the music of Grammy award-winning singer, songwriter and worship leader Mitch Wong, who was born and raised in Australia and now lives in Nashville. However, even though he's been tremendously successful, he is still largely unknown in his home country. Why is that? We'll find out as Mitch shares his story with us today. He's chatting with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Mitch Wong, welcome to the program. Eric, thanks so much for having me. Glad to have you with us. And yeah, we want to find out how come a lot of people don't know you here. We're going to get to all that. But first, let's back up a little bit and find out where were you born and raised? So I was actually born in Newcastle, okay, which is in New South Wales. Mm -hmm. And my dad was in the Air Force. Oh, okay. So he used to fly F-18s and he was kind of stationed all across Australia. I think we went to Sydney, Perth, Newcastle, and then we eventually landed in Melbourne when I was about four. So, okay. I'm pretty much raised in a Melbourne. Melbourne kid. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I have to ask you. Yes. Your surname is Wong. Correct. <laughs> you live in Box Hill. Yes. Many people would think, oh, obviously you're Asian. Uh-huh. But I'm looking at you. This isn't TV. This is radio. Yep. You don't look Asian at all. What's the story? I'm sure I look a little bit. Like a little maybe, bit, yeah, Maybe little my bit, eyes. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm yeah. a quarter Asian. Oh, okay. My... Dad is half Singaporean Chinese and half Bulgarian. Okay. And so his parents both migrated to Australia from, uh, my nan actually came from Czech Republic. Oh, okay. When she was about eight years old. You are international. Yes. So she landed with her parents in Australia at eight years old. She went to Hastings, which was an immigration camp down Mornington Way. And then my grandfather came from Singapore when he was... I think in his early 20s. Okay. And he was a mathematician. And somehow they found each other. And Aww. both of their families are very orthodox, mm-hmm. Singaporean, Bulgarian, respectively. So, it wasn't a popular marriage, but they made it work. Orthodox in what sense? In the sense that very traditional, they really wanted their son, their daughter to marry oh. someone Singaporean and someone right. Bulgarian. So, there was opposition. There was opposition. But, but love overcame. Love overcame. <laughs> You're correct. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah. So, who told you all this story? Was, did they well, tell you? Yeah. My, I mean, my parents told me and I think that's probably just something about Australia is it's so multicultural, yeah, especially yeah. Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And I find it so common that I find people who've got a mix of all different nationalities and everything. So, yeah, it's just part of our family history. I'm grateful for it. So, that's your dad's background? Yes. And your mother's background? 
Well, convicts to some extent from oh. England. Okay. We're just white. <laughs> okay. So British. Yeah, British. Okay. So um yeah, we grew up in just a really cool family because Singaporean culture is very food heavy and we love our Isn't food. Isn't that beautiful? Oh. <laughs> and being in Melbourne is the perfect city oh, for that yeah. because yeah. there's so much amazing Asian food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my nan cooks amazing food as well. She's Bulgarian. So yeah, we've I just really would like to be invited over. <laughs> oh, yes. And the good thing is I married Steph, my wife, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that later, yep, but she's yep. full-blood Malaysian. And both of her oh, parents wow. were born in Malaysia, came when they were early 20s. Mm-hmm. So pretty much my whole life has been full of really good Asian food. Why are you not 500 pounds? I don't know. <laughs> well, Singaporeans have really good metabolisms too. Oh. So I've got a very high metabolism. Oh, I'm, I'm blessed. I mean, I've been yeah. in the States for three years and I haven't gained weight. I've probably lost weight because I was in better really? shape. <laughs> yeah. My metabolism is so funny. So I can eat pretty much junk my whole life and I won't put on weight. But if I, I go to actually the gym, hate you. Yeah, I know. I know. It is It is pretty good. I'm, I'm hoping it'll last forever. <laughs> well, We'll see. We'll see. I, I thought that one day, but hasn't worked out <laughs> that way. So, very interesting cultural heritage. What was life like growing up in Box Hill on the east side of Melbourne? So, it was actually Wonturner South. That's where okay. we lived when we moved to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And then we eventually landed in Box Hill mm-hmm. and then Mont Albert. Mm-hmm. But it, it was a really good upbringing. Like, I had both parents loved each other. Mm-hmm. and just amazing parents who created such a good household. I've got an older sister who's three years older than me. And then when I was seven and she was 10, my parents had our other sisters, they're twins. Mm-hmm. So it was actually a very loud upbringing. We had a <laughs> lot of, a lot of. Uh, it was the Wong jungle, we called it. <laughs> it was kind of crazy in some ways, but we just had the best time. And I remember... Part of our upbringing was we went to church. Um, my dad actually wasn't a believer when he married my mom. Mm-hmm. And mom was always a believer. Okay. So, when he found Jesus, I was about four years old. Mm-hmm. And it just changed his life. And we started going to this local Baptist church. It's called Sindel Baptist Church mm-hmm. in Mount yep, Waverley. Yep. Quite familiar with it. Yeah. That. And we, we loved that. And so, that was my first experience with church was just going and Sunday school. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful. And then my older sister, when she was about 15, she found the youth group for Planet Shakers, which is called Planet Boom. Mm -hmm. And she loved it and was just going with her school friends. So she just said to mom, mom, I found this awesome church. Why don't we just give it a go? So our whole family ended up going to Planet Shakers. Oh, okay. Pretty much six months after it started in Melbourne. It started in 2004. And so much of my faith journey has come from that mm-hmm. being in planet shakers and just such an amazing atmosphere of faith and i guess passion in music and mm-hmm. that's i guess a lot of what i do today mm-hmm. so was it the music that you encountered at planet shakers was that influential on you and developing your whole love for music and yes. worship music yeah so it was that in some ways mm-hmm. and in other ways it was actually my school we had an amazing music school mm-hmm. and I was a percussionist all through school. So, mm-hmm. I would play, you know, triangle, bass drum, 
um, I was actually the timpanist, which is the big drums at the back of the orchestra. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we used to play all of these classical pieces, mm-hmm. part of the symphonic orchestra, we called it. And Now, is this a secular school? Yeah. Oh, okay. no, it was, it was Scotch. So, it was a Presbyterian school. Mm-hmm. So, that was definitely really influential on my... I guess musicianship mm-hmm. yeah. was being part of that all the time. Mm-hmm. And another part was in all of our school assemblies, we would sing these amazing hymns mm-hmm. and there would be an organ player playing. And it was just such a blessing to be able to go there and be surrounded by so much classical music, so many beautiful melodies. Yeah. And then on the other hand, church was just like really into music and Planet Shape Very is contemporary. Very contemporary music. So you had the whole spectrum. You had the hymns, the traditional hymns, yes. traditional classical music, contemporary Christian music. Yes. Well, Planet and, Shakers worship. And I loved pop music. So okay. I'm a pop fan still. Mm-hmm. Just And I remember growing up listening to the top 40, just mm-hmm. following the charts. I think the first album that I bought with my own money was In The Zone by Britney Spears, <laughs> okay. which is straight down the line pop. But yeah. I loved it. And eventually, I started discovering that I wanted to write some of these songs mm-hmm. and I wanted to just give it a go. Because at the time, actually... Yeah, when did you go from just liking music to, hey, maybe I could write some of this, make some up myself? Well... It was interesting because 12 years old, mm-hmm. I wanted to be an author. So, oh. I I loved Lord of the Rings and Narnia. Okay. And yeah, I really yeah. wanted to write fantasy novels okay. that had Christian themes mm-hmm. and just yeah. use that as a way to, I guess, encourage people and fill them with mm-hmm. hope. Because yeah. I had experienced that with Lord of the Rings. So, I loved language. And as a 12-year-old, I would write these manuscripts. Mm-hmm. And I would write all these chapter books and I just loved it. And I think to a certain extent, that dream is still mm-hmm. alive. I still yeah, want to do that. Yeah. But eventually, that dream to use language to inspire people kind of merged into songwriting mm-hmm. when my youth leader at the time, he started songwriting. And I just wanted to follow that. Yeah. And we should probably back up. At what point did you become a Christian yourself? Yeah, good question. So, I remember... As a five-year-old kid, I just started going to Sindel Baptist. Mm -hmm. I knew about God and I was always curious about God. Mm -hmm. And I remember distinctly one of these conversations I had with my friend at school who went to Sindel and it blew my mind as a five-year-old kid. He was saying, you know, God is so powerful. He can do anything. And I remember asking him as a kid, is he so powerful that he could even turn a table into water? Like hmm. just in one moment, and he's, and he's like, "Yes," which is I don't know, yeah. you know, a five-year-old yeah, kind five-year-old of concept. Come up with that, yeah. but I remember being so fascinated with God, but it didn't really become a personal decision to follow Him and to accept Jesus until I was about fourteen. I remember mm. I'd started going to this youth group, Planet Boom, and there was an invitation to accept Jesus as Savior and and to accept Him into your heart. And I remember for weeks and weeks and weeks. I was so self-conscious and I was so afraid to make that decision and to step out and to go down the front because I didn't know what people would think of me Mm. and I was just kind of bound by fear. Mm. And I remember one night, it had just gone on for so long and I remember hearing the voice of God just say like, if you give me one step, if you just take one step out of your seat, I'll take the rest. Mm. And I remember 
doing that mm-hmm. and acting on that. And it was just so beautiful because I did take one step and then I found myself at the front just mm-hmm. praying this prayer to thank Jesus for the price that he paid on the cross mm-hmm. and for saving my life and accepting him as my Lord and Savior and my shepherd. And so that was the moment as a 14-year-old kid that really changed my life. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Grammy award-winning singer and songwriter Mitch Wong, who's sharing his life journey. We'll hear more of his story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is Grammy Award-winning songwriter Mitch Wong, who was born and raised in Australia and now lives full-time in Nashville, Tennessee. Before the break, we heard about his heritage and how he became a Christian. Next, we'll hear how his faith grows, along with his desire to compose songs for the Lord. I think that started to bleed into everything that I did, whether including it was, wanting to be an author. And exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. whether it was writing or or singing mm-hmm. or writing songs, that's kind of what started that. It was that decision to follow Jesus, and so my youth leader he started writing songs and just showed me probably four chords on the piano. And so up to that point, you were more just hitting the drums. Yeah, well, we had well, it was xylophone. Like I knew, the drums. <laughs> I knew more than hitting drums. It was more. I had a lot of theory that I knew, and we did a lot of xylophone and mm-hmm. marimba, mm-hmm. which is actually really similar to piano. Cause oh yeah, it's the yeah. same layout. Mm-hmm. And my mum was a piano player, really oh, okay. good one, mm-hmm. and a flute player. So she had this whatever music musical gift I have, I, I get from her, mm-hmm. and. So, we had a piano at home because she'd kept one for our whole lives. And when I was 15, I started just sitting at the piano for hours and hours and hours and just starting to write these melodies and write songs. Did you have piano lessons and all that? Well, funny story. I did have piano lessons when I was five years old, really young. Oh, okay. But I remember I quit because this is it's a funny way to quit piano. But... um. I loved it. However, I needed to clip my nails one time and I accidentally <laughs> left I like left the nail clippings on the side of the piano. And I remember our piano teacher came and she was teaching my older sister as well and they they found these nail clippings <laughs> and I got so embarrassed that I'm like I'm not I, I just we don't want to learn piano missed anymore. out this generation's Mozart because of nail clippings. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say this generation's Mozart, but well, yes, close. I mean, yeah, yeah. This, uh, it was just one of those things as a kid that I'm like, no, I don't want to play piano again. I was so, I don't know, embarrassed But about you it. overcame. The Lord helped you overcome yes, this. God oh, is that's good. beautiful. So, at 15, I start playing again and just loving it. And I think 
I'm actually really grateful it happened that way because the way that as bizarre I play, as it is, yeah, as bizarre <laughs> as it is, because if I had kept up with classical, it's actually really hard to transition from classical playing to church contemporary playing. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it's so regimented mm. and structured that it's hard to break out and just improvise. Oh, okay. A, a lot of people who have maybe had jazz that would have been a better yeah, foundation. True. Okay. But I love that when I started playing, it just became this so connected with songwriting because I, w- I would play the piano. And really, I wanted to play because I wanted to songwrite. So I got better at playing. So you didn't want to just play just to play. No. You wanted to write songs. Yeah, I wanted to write songs. So the creative process was part of who you are yes. right from the start. Yeah. And I think that's where the melodies for songs came is because I would spend hours at home in my living room just trying to find the best melodies and just mm-hmm. it was just an obsession and i remember mm-hmm. growing up so 15 to 20 it was just this it grew from a little hobby that i loved mm-hmm. to this is what i want to do with my life i okay. absolutely love it and i remember i would stay up in my room probably until 3 a.m 4 a.m making these demos and just writing these songs for no one except God. It was just, mm. I just loved writing church music because that's what I was around. And Now, did you know if you were doing the proper structure, the proper chord progressions? I mean, there's music theory and certain keys yeah. are all supposed to go together. It's beyond me, but yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? You can't just put a bunch of chords randomly together. They have to yes. fit. Yeah, so I think my mom recognized that there was, well, both my parents did, but I guess my dad could just say it's really good, but <laughs> mom's got the musical experience. Oh, right, right. Well, that's, so, that's helpful. Yeah. So, she recognized that there was a, a talent there and then she suggested, why don't you go to some lessons? Mm-hmm. And Planet Shakers at the time, I'm sure they still are, they were holding lessons for piano, guitar, but also one of them was songwriting. Oh, okay. And... So, BJ Pridham, who's a dear friend of mine, one of my best friends, he actually taught me how to play from my heart. Mm -hmm. And it was more than just, you know, chords that kind Mm -hmm. of just sounded clunky, but to really express myself. Mm -hmm. And he's an amazing songwriter. So, he really recognized, I guess, some gold underneath Mm -hmm. the the rubble. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's a nice way of putting it. No, it really was because I, I really wasn't, that great but he recognized that i could be and isn't that wonderful it is when you find people and that's what i try and do mm-hmm. because i've learned that from him it's yeah. so powerful when you recognize it's so great to have somebody believe in you yeah encouragement goes be, a long way yeah yeah it goes a long mm-hmm. way and i remember i got so encouraged when i would bring him these little ideas like a little chorus i'd been working on mm. and he was just so impacted by it and encouraged me so much so that really kind of fanned into flame this passion for songwriting mm-hmm. and, and playing piano. And eventually, I actually wrote a full song and showed him and made a demo. And he ended up sending that. I didn't know about it, but he sent that to our pastor, Pastor Russell. And at that time, I was probably 20 years old mm-hmm. and I was in Bible college. And I remember sitting in that room and we were learning, you know, we were taking some subject and Pastor Russell was lecturing. And then at the end of that, I guess, lesson, he motioned to the sound guy at the back of the room and is like, okay, do that thing. And I'm like, everyone's kind of going, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, 
I recognize this song that's playing. It's this <laughs> demo that I sent BJ and he had sent it to Pastor Russell and he, he just starts playing this song to everyone in the room. And Did I remember- say why? No, which is kind of how he rolls. He's just so, <laughs> okay. I, which I love that. But he just started playing it and I remember feeling, it was a really special moment, not just for me. I think it was just, a lot of people started crying and I started really? crying. Yeah. Because really? it was this it was this worship song called Towards Calvary about Jesus walking towards Calvary mm. when he, he didn't have to save us, but he still chose to. Mm. And it was a moment where I felt so affirmed. Mm-hmm. I felt yeah. so yeah. validated in the area of songwriting mm-hmm. and to see that minister to people in the yeah. room. I mean, was, as a songwriter, yeah. what more could you ask for? I know. It was really special and... I think that was definitely one of the moments where God was showing me this is what he had called mm-hmm. me to do. Mm-hmm. So, we actually ended up singing that song in church and then I started writing some songs for church. Like in the the big church? Yeah. Your own song? Yes. Oh, that had to be a thrill. It was, I can't even describe it. It was just so beautiful. And This was this little song I was just playing by totally. myself. And now I, you're hearing a whole exactly. room full of people. And Auditorium? I think, Yes. Oh, my goodness. So, I think that's something that I've always tried to hold on to as I've grown in songwriting and as the opportunities have expanded. I've always tried to hold on to the the reason why I started in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that's just because I love it. And I love writing a song that could, you know, move the heart of God. How do you do that? That's. Mm. I don't think there's anything better than that. I just think it's the most incredible thing. And I remember writing that song in my room by myself. I showed it to a friend who showed it to our pastor and it grew from there. Yeah. But I never wrote it to do that. Mm, yeah. It was just because I loved writing music. And mm-hmm. I remember continuing to write songs for church and eventually in my early 20s, it was a pretty tough year, I'll be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we go through a lot of things as early 20-year-olds and I was going through a really just tough year it Mm -hmm. was and i wrote two songs out of brokenness Mm. and which was actually really which as you know some of the best stuff yes but it's so painful at the the same time yes yeah so it was really unusual for a year to go by Mm. and have written two songs because i'd been writing a lot before then and that was a real indicator that this was not a good season and it Mm. was just really tough it was kind of a season where I was building my faith because I wanted to be on solid ground mm-hmm. and not in anything else. And it was just not the easiest season, but I remember writing two songs out of that. And eventually we sang those at church and to see oh, wow. those songs. So one of them, the first one was called, I know who you are. Mm. And the second one is called sings my soul. And they ended up being recorded by planet shakers and sung at church. When I saw them reach people and minister to them and help them in their brokenness, that was the moment I said to God, I will do this for my whole life mm. if you make a way. I'll yeah. just, this is all I want to do is just write songs. That's cool. So, 
that was definitely the moment for me that really marked me for songwriting mm-hmm. because up until mm-hmm. then it had been really, really fun and awesome. But when it gets to a broken place and mm-hmm. you write a song, that's mm-hmm. when it becomes really real mm-hmm. because I remember the bridge that I wrote, which is the first part that I wrote for I Know Who You Are. Mm-hmm. The lyric was, I may not have much left, but you provide. Mm-hmm. And that lyric for me was a real turning point because I wasn't just writing what I knew was the right thing to say. It was actually writing in a very honest way because at the time, if I can be honest, I was depressed mm. and I didn't... So, I may not have much left. Oh, it was, really? It was a real like rock bottom, mm. the worst place, but I still had faith and I said, I may not have much left, but you provide. And that was a key to me because there's nothing wrong in writing from your honesty, mm-hmm. but if you mm-hmm. stay in your circumstance, nothing's going to change. Mm. So, by saying, but you provide to mm. God, it was still showing that I had a heart of faith that this can change. I know mm. that you can provide a way for me to get out of this valley. Mm. And yeah, that was when I learned to write honestly in my songs. And it was just a beautiful way to write and to see that reach people and and help them Mm -hmm. through their dark times. I may not have much left, but you That's the song I Know Who You Are, performed live by Planet Shakers and written by our guest today, Mitch Wong. He wrote, I may not have much left, but Lord, you provide. And that's a profound truth for all of us to remember. When we feel like we have little left and our tank is almost empty, the Lord provides for us and gives us strength. Well, thanks for joining us for part one of our conversation with Grammy award-winning singer and songwriter Mitch Wong. We invite you to join us again next time when Mitch will share more of his story and his road to winning a Grammy award. It's all coming up next time. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I was just about to finish my arts degree and in my head I was thinking great, I can finally start doing music full-time, jump straight into it and do it full-time. But I felt God say, I actually don't want you to jump full-time yet because you're not ready and you're not mature enough. Which is pretty humbling for an early 20-year-old to be like, oh, like in my head, I'm like, are you sure, God? I I really want to do music. But he said, I actually want you to do a law degree. Australian singer and songwriter Mitch Wong joins us once again to share more of his story and some of the unexpected twists and turns on his road to winning a Grammy. That's more of Mitch Wong's life journey coming up next time. The Story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.